So what do you want to be when you grow up? It's a question that we often throw out to children or as a conversation starter. What did you want to be when you were a kid? Most kids, when they answer this question, they will answer by either giving an occupation of someone they love and admire, or someone that they see themselves reflected in, or from something that's a hope or a desire about what their life could look like in the future. Now, if you'd asked me when I was 10 what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would have told you I wanted to be a dancer or a writer, which are a little bit pulse apart, but there you go. They're both in that creative sphere. As grown-ups, we are more likely to be asked the much less interesting question, what do you do? Um, and the answer to what do you do is for many of us a much less compelling question to answer than answering with those dreams and hopes that we expressed as children. While some answer with pride and enthusiasm, others respond maybe with feelings of embarrassment or shame. It can stir up all kinds of questions for us. Is this really what I want to be doing? Have I ended up where I imagined I would be? Is this what my life is? Is this where I thought I would be? And in Christian terms, this can become even more tangled up for us as we add into the mix an understanding of what it means to be called by God and to live unto God's purposes for our lives. Jeremiah 29 11 says, I know the plans that I have for you, announces the Lord. I want you to enjoy success. I do not plan to harm you. I will give you hope for the years to come. Such beautiful words to lean into. But how do we know that we're living faithfully into God's purposes? How do I know if I'm being faithful to everything that God has called me to be? There are so many forces at work around us, pulling us in different directions, that it's difficult um, to, f it's not all that difficult to find yourself living a life other than your own. Societal expectations of marriage and family, the spouse, two kids and a dog, the key dream, a house, three or four bedroom house on a quarter acre of section, Social media's persistence that our lives should look a certain way in order to be meaningful. We design our lives and we create these avatars for ourselves of what we think our life should look like, how we should appear to others. And sometimes we set goals and stretch towards hope that are driven by a desire to fit a particular definition of fulfillment or success rather than those deep hopes and dreams that we cherish deep in ourselves. What happens when our lives don't turn out the way that we hoped or planned? Or will we get the thing that we hoped for, but it tastes emptier and bitter? Early in 2021, the first signs of what's become termed the Great Resignation began to appear across the globe. A little over a year into the COVID-19 pandemic, people all around the world began 
leaving their current employment, their work, in really large numbers. And some chose to not only abandon their current job and move to another one in the same field, but to actually shift careers entirely and to find work in a completely different sector. So there's this big kind of realignment happening. And the reasons are, are complex and every person's story is, is unique. But one of the common factors and threads is this trend, and this trend is a reassessment or a reorientation of values. A desire to be treated better, to feel like what that we as a person and what we do in our work is valued. To feel that what we do with our everyday is important and meaningful. It seems that many people found themselves stuck in a life they no longer wanted to be living in. Now, Moses, in that story that we heard earlier from Exodus, had begun his life, his early life, with a real sense of purpose growing up in the royal court in Egypt. But that purpose became misdirected and turned into, into violence and then him running off into exile. And after many years living in exile, I wonder if he too felt stuck. After such a promising beginning in the royal elite of Egypt, how did he end up a shepherd in a remote desert? Whether or not he was looking for it, God appears and speaks to Moses, miraculously, resetting him on the path and to the calling that was planted in him from the beginning. Now, most of us don't experience God's call as quite such a dramatic display. Um, personally, I've not experienced fiery bushes talking to um, in, my, in my personal experience of calling. For many of us, it's, it's less dramatic than this. Jessica Legrone um, describes calling in this way. She says, instead of one bright burning bush moment, sometimes a sense of calling materializes more like stars appearing in the night sky. An untrained eye will see only scattered points of light, beautiful but shapeless. But those who study the stars begin to recognize the constellations. Quiet, careful, listening, watching, and waiting. These are the ways that God speaks to us and reveals purpose and possibility and the way ahead. We navigate um, like the ancient navigators that came here um, by the stars. Parker Palmer, who's written a lot on Christian calling and vocation, um, talks about the importance of allowing our lives to speak to us, to hear those deep longings that are stirring us. He says this, vocation does not mean a goal that I pursue. It means a calling that I hear because I can tell my life what I want to do with it. I must listen to my life telling me who I am. I must listen for the truths and values at the heart of my own identity, not the standards by which I must live, but the 
standards by which I cannot help but live if I am living my own life. We hear God's call when we listen to who we are at the core of our being and identity, and when we live into those deep longings and loves that are woven into who we are from that first moment of coming into being that God weaves into us. We step into the calling and purpose that God has for us. Our calling is not just something that is lived out in our work, though. We often talk about calling or vocation, which is just another word for our work, what we do with our everyday. Um, um, but, it, but our calling isn't just lived out in what we might um, receive money for or what we do with most of the hours of our life between the other, seven, other six days of the week when we're not in church. In fact, for some of us, our work may not be the primary place where we step into God's calling in our lives. Every part of our life, our work, for sure, but also our play, our rest, community service, all of these facets of us, all of who we are, all of what we do, all of these things can be ways that we step into the purposes that God has for us. In the character of Methodist, John Wesley writes, all of this business, occasions of relaxation and prayers serve this great end. Whether we sit in God's house, walk, lie down, or rise up, in their speaking and doing, they promote the grand business of their lives, which is God's glory. Whether they dress, work, eat, drink, or rest from tiring labor, everything inclines to the advancement of God's glory through peace and goodwill among all people. Whether we are laughing with friends over shared food, standing in line at the grocery store, wiping a child's bottom, teaching a class, building a house, sweeping the street, every act, our work, our rest, our play, our service, are holy moments Moments where God invites us to take off our shoes and recognise that we are standing on holy ground. Moments when we can live into all that God has called us to be. See, God is much less interested in what you become than in who you become. Parker Palmer again writes, our deepest calling is to grow into our own authentic selfhood, whether or not it conforms to some image of who we ought to be. And as we do, we will not only find the joy that every human being seeks, we will also find our path of authentic service in the world. So who do you want to be when you grow up? I'm going to invite um, a couple of, of friends to come up here and join me. Barney and Jacob are going to join up here. Um, and what we're going to do um, tonight, and we're going to continue uh, doing this throughout this series, is not just talking about one of these things, but inviting some people who are living at this out in some 
real ways um, that are everyday people that we know um, to talk about what this means for them. So tonight we have Vanya Dunn, uh, founder of Studio 35. Um, and Jacob Powell, librarian, artist. Um, and uh, I'm going to pass this to you, please, Jacob. And um, we're just going to um, have a bit of a, a, a chat about what um, Living Out Callers looks like for them. So, Jacob, uh, you currently work as a librarian and archivist, and occasionally mm -hmm. as a film critic and <coughs> YouTube skateboarding influencer. <laughs> <laughs> What was the journey of settling on this as a vocational um, direction for you? Um, what did you look like? Well, uh, like I said in my videos earlier, I didn't really have a clear sense of what I wanted to do um, when I was younger. I just was going through school, I quite enjoyed it. Um, and it looked like I might head towards university, which was a big thing, because I was the first person in my wider whānau to ever study at university. So none of us knew what that looked like, or what it, you know, what, what it meant. Um, uh, so that was something new and, and a bit of an interesting thing. Um, and I was good at um, like accounting and economics at school. Um, so I ended up studying a big Bachelor of Commerce. Um, which is really not me. Um, and I had lots of friends when they were at university changed their degrees while I was studying. Um, but I had this thing that I'd started, so I was definitely going to finish it, um, even if I really didn't like it. Um, so I just did a lot of courses that were well outside of um, it, uh, commerce. So I did like Maori studies, I did ethnomusicology, um, sociology, you know, I did a range of different things that, that I found interesting. And then when I got to the end of it, I kind of hardly applied for a couple of um, marketing jobs, um, and I really didn't want them. So, um, so I, I went and got a job in a warehouse, um, an organic foods warehouse in Penrose, um, and I learned to drive a forklift. Not very well, I took a garage door out. Um, but I wasn't the only person. I didn't, I didn't knock out any um, pellets or, or shells when one of the other guys did. Um, I kind of did that for a year while I was skating around and, and, and doing stuff. And then um, I, I also um, was, um, I did some study at Bible College and I'd always been interested in Eastern Europe. Um, I really wanted to, to spend some uh, try and spend some time over there, but I ended up going on a short mission trip just one summer over to um, Central Eastern Europe, um, uh, to Serbia, and it was right in the middle of the war um, that sort of happened over there, well, kind of the NATO bombing that happened, um, so we got caught in some strange situations. And, um, and then when I came back, I thought, what do I want to do? And I, and I thought, what did I like when I was at university? And I spent a lot of time in the library. Um, partially because my friends made me, I was really bad at studying. I was always really good at school and I never had to do a lot of work to, um, to get through. Um, and university was a bit harder, and so to be able to pass, um, particularly because I didn't go to all the lectures, I was learning to serve and do a bunch of other stuff. Um, I, I ended up getting a, a my friends were setting up a schedule to study in the library, and I spent a lot of time with them. I thought, oh, I wonder what it would be like to work in the library. That would be kind of cool. I like the university. I like 
kind of an educational environment, but like um, the idea of kind of helping people to learn um, in that way, and I certainly wasn't a teacher. Um, so uh, I just I randomly applied for a job at the library, and I made it to the interview phase, but I was not a little qualified. Um, and the person said, I don't think you're really right for this job, um, but I think you, um, you, could, you could maybe get a job and blow it out. So, yeah, and then I ended up with a, a job at the med school library um, up at um, in Grafton. And I worked there for a number of years, yeah. And then, as you said, I do a bit of film reviewing. Um, and it's, I've always loved going to the movies. And I thought about it, I've never actually wanted to make movies. Um, or be in them particularly. I mean, we had fun making short films and stuff. And then, yeah. Apart from that brief stunt as an extra. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I did my time on Shorten Street and a few other, <laughs> few other productions. Um, he also had a small um, speaking role. <laughs> a, uh, I, was in a, I was a crime watch reconstruction. I was offender number two. <laughs> <laughs> I was nicking cigarettes from the store and then beating up the owner. <laughs> Bad luck for the animal. Uh, um, but yeah, so I always loved going to the cinema, and so um, I, that was something I kept in mind. And then I realised that I had got away with words, um, and so yeah, I ended up doing a bit of writing, and, um, and then film reviewing, and that's something I still do today and quite love. And then I managed to kind of steer my job at the library towards that. So there was a, a role that came up around um, looking after uh, a broadcast video archive. And audio visual resources. And, um, so it was like a contract job for a year to try and set something up. So I did that and then we managed to get it made permanent. And now I have a team and we, we look after a bunch of old video archives at the university and we run a streaming service for the university. So it's pretty cool. I quite like it. It's fun. And it kind of melts my love for libraries and old video bits and pieces um, with uh, films and, and TV and stuff. So how does that. Um do you kind of connect your sense of vocation and the work that you're doing every day um, with being with being a disabled? How do those things connect to you? Uh, I think I've always had a pretty holistic view of faith. I've never sort of been one to think that um, that church is where faith is lived out, rather than something different when we meet together. So the idea that that you are who you are wherever you are. So um, your faith plays into how you interact with people, how you do things. I, you know, I try to be a person who is um, open and kind and can be relied on in my work. Um, and in my play, talk about skateboarding, I have a, a crew of old, old dudes <laughs> um, who we get out on Sundays and sometimes during the week, you know, get some time off. Um, hanging out in state parks. So we like we encourage each other. We encourage other old fellows. We um, we also encourage young ones who are not you know who are just learning. Um, teach them how to do little bits and pieces. Um, many of the young ones are better than us, but um, some aren't. Um, and so it's 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 kind of a little community we have going there. And so when I pray for those guys, um, we have a, a WhatsApp group and Instagram group that we kind of just share about what's happening with life. We just we also talk about when stuff's going good and stuff's going bad, and we, and we kind of we're in each other's lives and we're sharing. Um, and I always sort of talk about church and you know faith and, and stuff in that in that sort of environment. So I just sort of see it as, as 
a part of my life and my life is a life that involves faith. To so dance in your uh, current role as the artworks to you think um, it sounds really weird. <laughs> Which you can explain what, what that actually is. Um, that's a more kind of recent part of your life. How did your journey um, into that Um, the other vocational choices, life experiences. Um, 
so this is the coming around kind of part where I that sporting background um, and wanting to be really involved with my kids and uh, what they're doing I since the kids have been little started you know coaching their netball teams and so that's been since well Izzy's 18 now and we probably started that when she was six or seven so um, coaching them all the way through and um, I've just realised that I'm just doing that a lot. <laughs> I'm doing that a lot. And realising that it's not actually just coaching these teams, it's actually now we're at, the, at a life stage where the teams that I'm coaching are this age group that I used to spend a lot of time working with. And I am just loving this new opportunity to be mentoring these young ladies. Um, and it is just really, really kind of cool to see what's happening. And the other thing that's kind of come around um, with life experience is this earlier interest and passion I had in uh, the childbearing year, um, where I had kind of you know moved to being more general in the offerings that I had for Studio 35. I'm realising that actually the people that are coming to me and wanting to come to classes, they're all these postnatal mums. And it's just this recognition that um, of drawing back to these, like you talked about in your earlier message, the stars, and recognising what they are and, and going, there's a reason. It's because that's an area that I'm passionate about. And, and, So um, you've talked about some of the coaching and mentoring and things that you've, you've been doing. Um, how do you see your faith kind of being expressed both through that and through your work with Stuart? Like um, Jacob said, I see it as being a very holistic kind of thing. And I have always been quite hesitant to really preach the gospel with words because um, I feel often uncomfortable with doing that. I'm not naturally a sharer of the you know the full gospel story. Would you like to know about Jesus? I don't feel um, that that's really me um, in an everyday situation. Although if it comes up, then I'm very happy to share. So my sharing of faith has been very much around um, the second greatest commandment, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and soul. The second being love your neighbour as you love yourself. Um, so it's it's loving those people that are in my sphere of influence. And another big thread that's kind of run through all my, my work that I do is the as you, as you love yourself. Um, so it's helping people to understand that they are amazing creations made by you know this amazing God and that they are worthy of being cared for and, and of loving themselves as well and that it's the love for themselves that then allows us to be able to love others to that very deep level. So, um, so to, to both of you, so it's been, it's been a journey for both of you um, in terms of uh, both 
working out that, that vocational pathway is not something that for either of you what you instantly did straight out of school is where you, where you ended up, there's kind of been a journey there. Um, and then this journey of working out how this faith kind of fit into that as well. How um, how has this kind of developed for you over time? What kind of like, things have you seen coming through? Um, so your your understanding of how your vocation and your uh, faith fit together. Yeah. I, changed a lot for me. I think my outlook has always been that this is, that my faith is part of who I am and I do the things that I do. I think that's, like I've never held, uh, I've never sort of thought of, like for, for as, as an example, I've never thought of the role of a pastoral minister as being particularly more important than anybody else. Um, not because it's not important, but rather that it's just a different part of the out of the, the world that we're in, you know, they have a role, but we all have roles. Um, yeah. So I don't think, for me, it doesn't feel like that's something that's developed particularly. It just it goes into everything I do. Have there been particular moments where you've got kind of that sense of um, that spark of, oh yeah, that's that's God kind of pulling me in, in this direction? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, at the moment, I, um, one of the things that I do a lot for work is I run a um, Marvel broadcast archive, um, and a lot of my day-to-day -day is helping connect um, Fano and Eden with their um, with their phenomena. So, like video interviews with grandparents that passed away that they don't have copies of, um, and it's really cool. Um, and I sort of have that sense of of just um, my job. Enabling people to connect with their past life, with their sense of who they are, um, and that's that's something that's that's always very cool, um, and that's very specific to the role. I think. Um, yeah, um, and and with sort of thinking about the film reviewing stuff, um, I'm always kind of pushed towards uh, cinema that I find really interesting and challenging. That thinks about humanity and why we are, what we are, how we interact with each other, and how we sort of outwork our values um, in different ways. Um, it's not to say that everything I watch has a kind of a, a Christian point of view, or, um, but I kind of view things through that lens and I'm about them. Those are the kind of things that kind of fell through how I approach breaking down things and stuff. Question. It's kind of like just a moment because I think I have glimpses and I might be in a class or in a group of, of women doing something and it's just that sense of I'm in the right place right now. And you know, those little sparkle moments, they don't happen all the time, but it's just kind of like this is the right place. Kind of like the star gets brighter. Yeah, and it's like an accumulation of those over time, I think, that are. Moments. Yeah. Cool. And another thing, just going quickly back to that, um, that I went to Eastern Europe and I listened to my studies in Russian, I, I kind of I think I peeled that into the fact that I actually really like um, Eastern European cinema. Um, and I watch a lot, and I've made some really good friends um, 
based on that. So a good friend of mine who's a, who's a writer based on Wellington um, was reviewing a book on a Tarkovsky film um, that he just couldn't find a copy of, and I happened to have a copy of the DVD. Um, and so we kind of caught up on Twitter and then um, met in Al Park, and I said, oh, here's the DVD, and now we're really good friends, and catch up in the room in Wellington when he was up back in the um, So yeah, it's kind of those, those things, yeah, and those, and those points that, of passion that just kind of keep recurring, where you find ways to kind of weave them in. Uh, another thing with the skateboarding, um, I collaborated with a librarian archivist from Canada who's um, running a, a woman in skateboarding um, site. Um, and I, I got a, a hookup with uh, a Māori, New Zealand Māori skateboarder, um, um, yeah, um, who um, she, she was one, sort of one of the, the better skateboarders in New Zealand. It's still around, I've seen better in a couple of parts. Right? So, it's funny how those things kind of weave through your job, these various passions. Um, uh, <laughs> so we've got kind of a little um, skateboarding librarian through that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. My last little reflection would be um, in this recent kind of knowing or realising that you know coaching, mentoring these young ladies is something that I want to just lean further into was you know, just randomly out of the blue a week or two back getting a, a long text message from one of these young ladies and just issued a very small part of it which says, thank you for being an auntie in my life that I can look up to because in all honesty you're my role model, which just went. You pushed me to think and actually take into account what I've done and to change my mindset. Thanks auntie Vaya, I really appreciate it. That's, that's another little star moment, you know, and just go, this is where I'm, I'm, where I'm into. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, thanks so much um, to both of you for sharing so openly and honestly with all of us and um, giving us a glimpse into what that journey has looked like for you. Um, we're going to do two things before we finish off this evening. Um, um, it's going to give you an opportunity to respond and then um, we're in, because we've done this panel thing, we're not going to go back into another time of worship, which is why we're kind of headed up at the beginning of the service. We're going to um, close off with saying um, our words of mission prayer together. Um, but just before we um, do that, if there's stuff that's stirred up for you in the conversations and um, maybe you're in that place, uh, like like Moses, um, shepherding out there in the desert, and feeling a bit stuck and not sure. Um, if you if you are in that place of feeling a bit stuck, there's some cards on um, on the tables there. Um, if you would like some help unpacking um, what it looks like for you to step into God's calling in your life. Um, and not just necessarily in your work, but in that whole package of your work and rest, play and service and that whole whole of life kind of thing. And you want to unpack that with someone. We have some people um, who have some experience doing some coaching who um, have offered some time um, to meet with people and to help them unpack some of those things. So um, if you want some help doing that, um, the little cards have got an email address there, or if you're online, um, coaching at session.org.nz. If you get in touch with us, we'll match you up with someone 
who um, will get in touch with you and um, set up what you're going to, to connect and help you to unpack and explore some of those questions. Um, because obviously this is, this is a journey um, and it's a process and for all of us we're all noticing those different stars pulling us in, in different directions at different times in our lives. So if now's a time when you're feeling like you could do with some help and some coaching then we're, we're happy to help you do that. So we're going to close off our evening. The, um, the prayer is going to come up on here. I'm going to invite um, those of you who are, who are here with us at the depot in person to stand and we're going to pray these words together. Let's pray. Holy One, holy and eternal, awesome, exciting and delightful in your holiness. Make us pure in heart to see you. Make us merciful to receive your kindness and to share our love with all your human family. Then will your name be hallowed on earth as in heaven. God of work and rest and pleasure, grant that what we do this week may be for us an offering rather than a burden, and for those we serve, may it be the help they need. Amen. Well, thanks everyone for joining us here tonight. Um, we, um, this is the end of our time, but um, for those of you who are here in person, um, you're welcome to stay and chat, and um, if you want to chat with someone right now, then you're welcome to come grab me and we'll chat with you. So ka kite, have a great week, um, and we'll see you soon.